Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Need a little motivation on your get-out-of-debt plan, on your financial independence plan? Today, I've invited Casey Lewis on the show, and he's going to share with us some ideas and strategies that have been helpful to him as he and his family have dramatically transformed their financial lives. Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets, and I'm your host. Thank you for being with me. This is the show where each and every day I try to work hard to bring you some ideas and some strategies that will be helpful to you, some content that will make a difference on your earning, on your spending, on your planning, on your strategy, that'll help you clarify your path to financial independence, and then crush that thing. That's what we're about here. And today, we're going to do all of those things. going to deliver to you on some ideas, some inspiration, and some strategy with my guest. My guest, Casey Lewis, is a really awesome guy. Uh, He runs a financial blog, has some financial uh, coaching work that he does, and one of the coolest things is just simply his breadth of knowledge and information. Uh, He's involved in real estate and just a very diverse guy. Uh, When I was researching different potential guests to invite on the show prior to attending the Podcast Movement Conference, which is where this interview was recorded, Casey stood out to me as somebody that I definitely wanted to have on the show. And I I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. We talk about a lot of different things, specifically some conversation I think is probably the most interesting to me was about goal setting. And I'm going to be doing a lot more on goal setting in the future. But as a little teaser, here's the interview with Casey. Casey, welcome to Radical Personal Finance. Hey, Josh. Glad to be here. (laughs) So I've invited you on today. I wanted to uh, talk with you about some of your perspectives and some of the things that you've learned with regard to money. One of the things that I love to do with Radical Personal Finance is not always talk to everyone who is an expert, but also talk to, although maybe you are, <laughs> but talk to people who've come from you know just a normal walk of life and hear their stories. So I'd love for you to share with, uh, share with me a little bit about your story. Yeah, sure thing. So um, I got involved in personal finance and helping people with money uh, by accident because I was an idiot. And I went to college at Dallas Baptist University, didn't have any idea what I wanted to do, um, and made a bunch of really bad financial decisions as far as student loans and like taking the student loan refund check and buying mm-hmm. golf clubs with them instead of that's like, a perfect use yeah. for student loan checks. Yeah, or on. like that was when I first got my Mac computer and all of that stuff. So uh, went through that, got married right outside of college, had a really good job. My wife had a really good job. We had a fantastic income. We worked uh, really, really hard, spent a whole bunch of money that we didn't have, bought a house that we couldn't afford, bought cars that we couldn't afford, financed everything that we could. And as long as we were able to have our really, really good income, we could afford those minimum payments and everything Mm -hmm. was fine. Never missed a payment. All that was good. And then all of a sudden we both lost our jobs within 30 days of each other and life kind of sucked. Uh, the 
stock market crash and the real estate market tanked, and both of our businesses were very tied to those industries. So this was 2008. And you were one of the ones where both, both family members... Yeah, my, I, I lost my job. I was laid off. My company laid off about 3,000 people. And 30 days later, my wife was in real estate uh, working for a real estate company, and they uh, laid her off 30 days later. What was that day like when she came home and said, that's it? <laughs> I was just, okay, cool. And I was it. I I'd had an idea. I'd been involved in the real estate market, but didn't like wasn't full force. And I was like, you know what? Job market's tough. I'm just going to start up in real estate at the worst possible time to start up in real estate. And um, as an agent, yeah, as an agent, and okay. we crashed, um, and we fought off it. We did everything we could to avoid bankruptcy and foreclosure and repossession and everything we could. Um, we sold everything that we own, um, so all the cars, all the furniture. Our house went down. We had like nothing in the house. Um, a small baby at home, wow. and I would work in real estate full time during the day, and at night I would deliver pizzas. And when I wasn't delivering pizzas, I would work as a janitor cleaning toilets at our church. And when I didn't have anything going there, I would put ads on Craigslist to fix fences or do manual labor or install light fixtures. Um, My wife got a job at Steinmart working uh, and we hustled and we got rid of we got rid of the debts that we had. We didn't file bankruptcy. We didn't have to go through foreclosure. Um, You short sale the house. We didn't. We we still own our house to this day. So we we fought everything off. Um, And our income during that time was probably even better after we got through that stuff our income was better it was just we were so sick and like didn't want to be anywhere near bankruptcy foreclosure anything bad to do right. with money again right. that we paid off everything um, and it was a it was a two and a half almost three year of hustle let's get rid of everything and then we just avoided ever going back that way and in the process people were like hey you are driving a 15 year old car now why are you doing that <laughs> um, and so I got to start sharing our story of like look, we got out of debt and here's the things we did. And all of that led into me helping other people with money. And I realized like, we're not the only ones that went through that stuff. Like everybody that I met, 75% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Like everybody is one paycheck away from being right where we were. Um, And so I really, it's my passion now to help those people realize like what type of life you can live when you're not strapped to monthly payments, when you're not strapped to having a, a car payment or student loans or the idea that if you really hate your job and you've got 20 grand sitting in the bank, right. you just say, hey, boss, have a nice day. Right, right. And you just walk out and you go get a new job. Um, or if you have this passion and something that you want to go do, which we're here at Podcast Movement, like right. everybody's talking about these things that they want to go do. When you can free up your cash flow and you get your expenses down to a certain point, right. you don't have to make as much money. You can take some risks. You can go chase some passions. You can go chase some dreams. You could take some time off of work and go be with your family and do fun things um, when you can figure out how to get rid of that debt. Did you figure it out on your own? Did you have resources? Did you get, was that like a Dave Ramsey thing? Did you get start listening to him? or uh, No. The, I mean... I'd heard of Dave Ramsey. I'd done those things. Ultimately, like, it was hard knocks. Like, we got to figure something out. Right. <laughs> um, just, so push and, comes and, to and it really it came. I mean, and it's it goes for pretty much anybody out there. The fastest way out of debt is to boost your income. Mm-hmm. Um, the fastest way to get financially free is to find ways to make more money. Um, because at some point, your grocery bill can be slashed to nothing, and you've got 
at, you're eating ramen every night and right. that, your bi- grocery bill is what your grocery bill is. Right. You, you've sold the cars, your electricity, your <laughs> shit. Like at some point, you're going to reach the minimum that you yeah. can do there and you may still not be able to make the traction. But if we can take you from making 30000 to 60000 or from 50000 to 100000 this situation changes really, really quickly. And that's what I realized when we were going through it is that I've got to go from at this point I was making nothing because I was unemployed to I need to go make a lot of money really fast and what are ways I can go do that? Work more hours. That's uh, always yeah, the solution. It was, a, it was a lot of hustle. Yeah. <laughs> do you how, how much debt did you pay off? Any idea and how long uh, did it take? So total uh, student loans, credit cards, car payment, all of that stuff was about two hundred and fifty thousand. That dude's so high five, dude. Killer that high one deserves five a high five. Yeah. Um, so now what do you do? So now my full-time job is to help people, uh, realize the same stuff we did. I help people get out of debt. I walk them through their unique situations and, and go through that. Um, and really my focus and passion is helping people and providing tools and resources for them to be able to make more money, to go from making 30,000 to 40,000 to 60,000, um, and, and really boost their income. Because I, I feel like if we can get people making more money than what they currently make. And this is this goes for the single mom that's struggling to get by making 25000 If we can show her ways and, and equip her to go, you know what, I'm worth more than $25,000, right. um, that once she can get to that point, she can start paying off those debts, get out of debt, build a firm foundation for herself, and then go start doing really cool things. Um, and those really cool things could be whatever you want to do. Like, I, I'm not going to define what awesome is for you. Mm-hmm. Awesome for me is like, I want to build water wells in Africa. Right. I want to use the money that I'm able to do to fund other ministries and projects and things that I want to go do. I also want to travel. I want to go do fun things with my wife and my kids. Awesome for you. Maybe you want to start that business. Um, awesome for you. Maybe that you want to go buy a G6 jet and fly around the world Woo-hoo. whenever you want to. Like, <laughs> I don't care what awesome is for you, but awesome is not living paycheck to paycheck and right. worrying about the debts and the bill collectors and all of that stuff. Are you doing this with face-to-face coaching, with blogging, with podcasting? Yeah, so I've had a blog since 2008. Good for um, you. Kind of chronicled our journey out of all this stuff and then realized, like, Hey, there's people reading this, and how can I help and give equipment and tools? So um, I have a blog. I have a podcast. It's the Casey Lewis Podcast. Awesome. Um, because I have a big ego and not very creative. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I've, I do some one-on-one coaching. Um, I'm still a licensed real estate agent. Okay. Um, and so if you need help anywhere in the country trying to find a real estate agent that to help buy or sell a house, or if the agent you have is struggling to get your house sold, I have somebody in your area that can help. And so uh, people through my blog or through the podcast will reach out to me and say, hey, I need a real estate agent. I'll, I'll help them find somebody. So, Are you at the point where you're able to live off of your online income and your coaching business, or is it still yeah, being abso- built? Or? Absolutely. I, I have no other no other jobs, nothing. I am full-time on... Uh, I help people get out of debt and find ways to boost their income and um, and then help them with real estate stuff. Of course, if you've been doing it since 2008, you, you obviously got rich overnight. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I launched out full-time doing this in December of 2014, so six months ago. Well, that's exciting. So let's talk about some practical tools and strategies for people who are looking to increase their income. Where Let's talk about the single bomb. I, th- I love that example. Uh, 
I'm a single mom and I'm making $25,000 a year and I'm busy. I got to be home with the kids at night. I'm working a job that doesn't have a huge income potential. Uh, where do I start? Well, a great place to start is with your boss. Like, are you a good employee? Are you working hard? Are you a valuable asset to that company? If you are, go ask your boss for a raise. Like, that's a great first step. Right. Just say, hey, like, I'm making 25000 Other people that do similar work to me are making 30000 I've been here for two years. I've been here for four years. I'm a good employee. I would like to make more money. And just see what your boss says. Like, what's wrong with just asking for a raise? Because like we sometimes get stuck in the annual review mindset where mm-hmm. I'm going to get my 3% raise once a year or whatever. Like, just go ask them for more money. See if they'll pay you more money. Now, like, don't do this if you've been at your job for 60 days. Right. <laughs> like, make don't your- do this if you stink as an employee. Yeah. What you say, I agree with it, but it drives fear into my heart of, of thinking, okay, well, wait a second. Uh, the first place I would start is not go ask her raise. The first place I would start is make sure that that you've done a good job of being a star. Well, yeah. Employee. So start start with I need to be a good employee that's worthy of a raise. <laughs> Second, go ask okay. your boss for a raise. And if that doesn't work, maybe you need to apply for some other jobs. And if you're going to apply for other jobs that are paying thirty thousand, five grand more, why not go ahead and apply for some jobs that pay fifty thousand? Like maybe you're just charismatic enough to convince somebody and trick somebody to pay you more money. Yeah. Like. Maybe. What's wrong with just throwing some applications out there for a $50,000 a year yeah. job if you're making twenty? Like, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Right. And then the last thing, or another way that we can do this is realize that you are one person that has multiple talents and multiple passions and multiple things. Like, I'm a writer, but just because I'm a writer doesn't mean that I have to just write. Mm-hmm. So I make money doing all kinds of other things that have nothing to do with writing. Well, you could have a full-time job and maybe you could start up an Etsy store or maybe you could start up, um, like my wife is a teacher who also develops curriculum and sells that on a website called Teachers Pay Teachers. That's awesome. So there, you're not limited to one income source. And I think sometimes we, we're like, oh, I'm busy and I've got all these things going on. Like my wife is a teacher. She prepares lesson plans mm-hmm. for her job and then just sells those on Teachers Pay Teachers. Like it's not anything extra. It's no extra work. It's just an extra resource for her. Um, but once we can start getting out of the mindset of, I have a job and this is where my income comes from and it pays me what it pays me and that's all I'm going to earn. When you can realize like you have other resources. We live in a time and an age where we are not limited to the income that one job produces. Right. Um, and so like in the Lewis household, we have 17 different ways we make money. Wow. Um, and some of those are 20 bucks a month. Like it's fine. It's $20 a month. Over a year, that's 250 bucks. I can take my wife to a nice dinner. What's the littlest one? What's, what's, the, what's the smallest uh, of those 17? Um, so I've got a deal. I was with a real estate agency that mm-hmm. has a profit sharing system when you refer an agent in mm-hmm. um, and you get paid off of the profit for that. And so that's the smallest one. It pays about 20, 25 bucks a month. And what's cool is I've had buddies of mine. I mean, another example, I've, I've had buddies of mine who were real estate agents say to me, Joshua, you got to get a real estate agent just so you can get the referral commission when you refer a buyer or a seller to, to another agent. Well, that's, that's how I started. And that's a, that's about 50% of our income really? um, from, for, or the, my business revenues is from real estate referrals nationwide. Somebody finds, I write a blog article or something like 10 reasons why you need to sell your house or whatever. Cause you know, right. clickbait and, uh, drive people to the website. They read that. And then at the bottom of the website, I say, Hey, if you need help in your area, click here. 
They fill out a form. I call them, talk through them, talk to them, find out what they're looking for, what they need, and then I reach out to another agent in their area and refer them, and I get paid a commission off of that. And anybody with a license could do that. Yeah, anybody with a real estate license is able to do that. That's awesome. What is the weirdest of the most unusual of the 17 streams of income? Um, most unusual. So I've been fortunate um, in my business to use different tools like lead pages or um, different tools that have affiliate commissions. And so it's just been surprising to me um, how easy some of those ways to make money are. Right. Um, where you just Easy because you spend hundreds of hours writing articles and then that, <laughs> there's, there's the well, easy $3.67 at the end of it. Well, look, lead pages is a great example of one because there are people that, there are other business owners that want to know how to build their business and what, right. what to do. And so I just happen to have some tools and I did a quick like 30 minute webinar screen share of, hey, here's the tools I use and here's how you could do it for free. But mm -hmm. I use this tool because it it makes my life easier, but I do have to pay for it. Um, and then here's my affiliate link if you want to buy. And so for that 30-minute webinar, one sale is a $120 commission. So right. it doesn't matter. Like one sale, 30 minutes of work. It was fairly a, a simple process to do it. So, right. yeah. That's what's cool about online business. If you've done the work of, of being underpaid in the beginning of building something that's a value, uh, such that people notice it and value your opinion, then over time there are many ways that you can earn revenue in a way that helps your readers and community and also helps you and helps the companies that you work with. Yeah, from an online business standpoint, you know, like 98% of what I do is free. I have 2% of things that I charge for. Um, and so if you need help budgeting, you can go to my website and you can get budgeting forms. If you need help figuring out how to get out of debt, you're going to figure out how to get out of debt. If you need tips and tools and resources on how to boost your income, like I've got 20 podcast episodes dedicated to boosting your income. You, there's everything that I do is free. And then if there's something that you need help with, you just call me up and we work something out. So let's go back and continue on the income. If you've got 20 podcasts, you've got more ideas <laughs> around <laughs> increasing income. What else? Um, so a great example is find multiple revenue streams. Find multiple things that you can do to earn income. Um, so, it, like I've I've been doing online business stuff for years, but I've had a full time job along with that. Um, uh, so, boosting your income really comes down to um, finding multiple ways to do it because at some point you're going to hit a ceiling. Like right. The the CEO of a company that's making three hundred and fifty or five hundred or million, like they've hit a ceiling. There's nothing more they can do. Mm -hmm. um, but we live in an age and a time where you can create something of value for somebody else that somebody else wants to do. And, and I love the idea that um, it's like a it's like a sixth grader can help a third grader with math. You don't have to be an expert. I don't have to have a math degree to help a third grader with math. I just have to be further along than you. And so, like, a great example here that we've learned this weekend at Podcast Movement is, like, if you have a podcast, we know how to set those up. So create a quick little class and show people how to set up podcasts. There's people that don't know how to do it that would gladly pay you money to learn how what you already know how to do. Right. And the two variables that are benefits of that is, number one, Information out there is free. Every little bit of information that you need about how to set up a podcast is available free on the internet with no charge associated with it. But personalized advice and service is not. And people value personalized advice and service. If you want to get all the 
knowledge of the world is sitting down in your local library and it's sitting on the internet connection that you can go to the get at the local library. But if you want specific applied knowledge to your situation, that's a really valuable thing. So just because somebody else has created a class already on it doesn't uh, well, mean... Well, yeah, and a lot of people think, oh, well, like, I'm not qualified to do mm -hmm. that or, or I can't do that. Like, yes, you can. You have that knowledge to do something that nobody else does. I have read over 200 books on personal finance, mm -hmm. so I know more than you do about personal finance. Not right. you personally. I'm sorry if I offend you. Um, but I know more than the average person is mm -hmm. going to know about personal finance. And so... Would you like to dig through and read all the books and go through the classes and go through the bankruptcy and the stuff that I had to face? Right. Or would you just like to pay me a little bit of money to figure this out? And right. so when people start to realize like what you know and what you have is valuable and there are people out there that would gladly pay some money to shortcut that or to get to where you are faster, then yeah, that's... That's what online business is all about. And that's what has value. So the, the book example is a, is a good example. It takes time to read 200 books. Yeah. A lot easier to pay somebody $200 than to read 200 books. Exactly. That's it. It's worth it. And so you, if you aren't worth $200, go read 200 books and you'll be worth $200 to other people. It takes time to create lesson plans. So it's a lot easier for someone to pay. How much does your wife charge for a lesson Anywhere plans? Anywhere from $5 to $50. A lot easier to pay 5 to 50 bucks. And save yourself hours and hours of work if someone else has done it. You know, get that lesson plan, get out five bucks, and you're done. And if you if you compare in many people's scenarios, I'm a teacher making forty thousand dollars a year. I pay fifteen bucks a week for my lessons plans. That's going to have a negligible impact on my lifestyle in terms of the monetary component of my lifestyle. But it might have a massive impact in saving me a huge amount of time. Exactly, and it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, and don't say like like. Again, we live in this time that's pretty stinking awesome. Like, don't say, oh, I don't know how to do that. Because, like, I don't know how to do that is just an excuse for I haven't Googled it yet. <laughs> like, just go to Google, go to YouTube, and figure out how to do some of this stuff. We live in a time where you can make more money than what your boss is paying you. Right. And if you're, if a great place to start, be a good employee, go ask your boss for a raise, and then start finding other ways to bring more money into your house. I promise you, if you're making 30000 by the end of this year, you could be making 50000 It just takes some tips and some, some hard work to do it. It takes focus. Yeah. And it, you have to read, you have to listen to 20 podcast episodes about how to make more money. And likely, none of the, none of the ideas that are in the 20 hours of content are appropriate to your situation. But the creative contrast, the creative connections between those ideas will get your brain starting to look around you and say, ah, in my area, here's something that I can do. Yeah, exactly. Like you could figure something out for your situation. And one of the things like when I talk to people is that they don't have an income goal for the year mm -hmm. because they're like, what, what's an income goal? Like this is what my boss pays me. Why right. would I like set an income goal for the year? And, and so i I challenged people at the beginning of 2015 to double what they made in 2014 and they're like well how like that's your job that's, i don't know how <laughs> i don't know how but and so many people have reached out to me over the last six months like holy cow i'm making thirty thousand dollars more this year awesome. my debt's going away all because i just said well i made 50 last year what if i made 100 and then they track it and like everything else you would do with a goal you'd write it down, you track it, you follow it, you see where you're at and try to make course corrections. But just the sheer idea of writing down, I'm going to make $100,000 this year if you make 50 or if you make 30, let's say 60, or 
we're in July, or we're in August now, so there's four months left in the year. Like, what if you can, in the next four months, make an extra 30% right. over what you've done the rest of the year? Like, it just a little bit changes your situation drastically, especially if you're living paycheck to paycheck, have debt, don't have a savings account. Just a little bit, $200, $300 a month, and that is really easy to come up with in this world. Yeah. And the cool thing about just thinking about a little bit instead of a lot is that it's easier having gain earning a little bit of money as a side income is a lot easier and a lot more doable than replacing your full-time income in the first few months you know earning an extra thousand bucks a month because you're delivering pizzas that's really useful if it's on top of five thousand other dollars that you're already earning but if you're trying to earn the total amount if you're trying to earn the total amount that you need to support your family on delivering pizzas that's a lot more challenging exactly and so adding up these little things there can be little businesses uh, where every now and then someone calls you and asks you for help on this sure I do it it's $100 an hour and you go and you only do that six hours a month on one Saturday when, whenever somebody calls you there's no reason why you have to have just one thing that you're known for one business there's no reason why you can't have 17 well and yeah that's exactly that's why I was able to transition from a full time job where I was making really good money to a career where I'm self-employed, entrepreneur, doing, going out and hustling and getting stuff done, because if I had to depend on just the salary from my coaching, for example, like it would, it, I coach two new clients a month. Like I'm never going to make enough money to right. feed my family off of two clients a month. But if I have two clients a month in coaching and I help somebody buy a house or sell a house right. in I'm in Texas, so in Michigan, like we start adding all of these things up, and revenues get to where they need to be, to where it's really easy for me to say, you know what, full time job, like I'm going to go ahead and let you guys go away, and I'm going to go focus on those 40 hours for what else I can build and do. Yeah, it's got to feel good. I mean, doesn't it feel great to be in the perspective position of a teacher and see people taking action on? <laughs> Dude, on- it's it's so great, and it, so. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like this has been a hard journey. Like I think everybody has a hustle season in their yeah. life. And so even your twenties, if you, if you hustle early on with money and your career and you get your income up and you start saving, you get the benefit of 40 years of compound interest on your investments mm-hmm. and you retire. And people that do their hustle season in their thirties and their forties, well, they're doing it because they are trying to clean up some messes that they made in their twenties right. from overspending. Right. And if you don't hustle in your thirties and forties, you realize in forties and fifties, the kids are getting ready for college. I'm coming up on retirement. I should probably hustle, clean up some messes, get ready to retire. And then like 50s and 60s, it's like, oh no, I've got I've to hustle. <laughs> but if you don't hustle any of those times, you're going to be hustling in your 60s and your 70s, working a lot harder and a lot longer hours when your body should really just be relaxing on a beach. Yeah. And so there's my hustle season. I'm coming up on the end of this five to eight year journey of like working all the time, living on next to nothing, putting as much money in savings as we can. And I've got two small kids, so I want to hang out with them too. Right. (laughs) So like that's a hustle season and get through it because I promise you, I promise you, I promise you it's worth it when you get to year eight and year nine and year 10, after you start getting rid of the debts and you've got a good saving, healthy savings account, you can afford to make less money. You can afford to take some time off work. You can afford to spend time with your family and kids. It's so much more rewarding um, once you've gone through this hustle season to to be able to be on the other side and say, like, I don't have to work for somebody else just because I need the paycheck to pay the bills. Right. 
Do you set goals? Absolutely. I figured. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm just giving you it out. You just gave a sermon on you got to set goals. I just want how did you learn to set goals and when did you start? Um, so I l- learned setting goals when I was in car sales. That was the first job I had right out of college. And it was, uh, I had a great mentor in it that just said, hey, like your bonus levels start at when you sell 12 cars and when you sell 15, you get another big bonus. So we broke down like, okay, I'm going to sell 15 cars a month because that's where the big bonus money is. And so it, for every 10 people I talk to, I sell one car. So let's back that. Let's do that math to find out how many people I need to talk to in order to sell 15. Well, for every one person I talk to, or for every 10 people I talk to, one buys. So I need to talk to 150 people this month. There's 22 working days in the month. Divide that out. I need to talk to 2.3 people a day, and I'm going to sell 15 cars. How do I talk to 2.3 people a day? Well, I have to make these many phone calls to make that happen. That's how I broke down, like really getting really nitty gritty with the details to a daily level of, oh, I just need to make 15 phone calls a day that will generate four appointments coming in the door for me to talk to this many people about buying a car. And if I do this every day for the whole month, at the end of the month, I will have sold 15 cars. And so when we started getting out of debt, it was the exact same translation of, oh, we've got $250,000 of debt. Here's how much money we have available to do it. It's going to take us X amount of months and, and just do the math, set the goal, and follow the daily disciplines of making it happen. What percentage of your coworkers in the car business set goals that way? Half. Like, it, not, not to the detail. Like, I was number one when we were doing it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I would imagine most salespeople are told to do it and then never actually break it down and do it. Yeah. And then what's worse is, like, you set the goal and then you don't do any of the action steps that you said you were going to do. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's just funny because it's so simple in um – the financial services business, it was exactly the same. I knew that if I was, uh, I knew that if I was introduced to a thousand people, I would call and I called a thousand people. 500 of them would meet with me on an initial basis. Of the 500 that would meet with me, 300 would give me all the details of, uh, of their lives and share with me their goals, what they were working for. Of the 300 that would do that, 60 of them would uh, start working with me, would buy a product from me, or would engage in some further work with me in the first year. 30, uh, first 12 months after first meeting me, 30 of them would engage me in the second 12 months, from 12 to 24 months uh, of meeting with me, and then 10 of them would engage with me in months 24 through 36, and after months 36, nobody that was still in the... In the uh, initial thousand. Yeah, in the initial thousand, nobody yeah. would, they would have found someone else, they would have moved, they would have said, Joshua, I don't, I like you, but I don't want to... And so if you, know that, if you know that yeah. number... Well, let's just go find a thousand people. Exactly. So you break and it down. And what do we have to do daily yeah. to go find those thousand? You break people? it down. You make yeah. forty phone calls a day. Of the forty phone calls a day, you set five appointments a day. You set five appointments a day. You go into the week of your twenty-five appointments. Twenty-five appointments. Fifteen will keep. Ten will cancel on you. You keep fifteen appointments. You next week you follow up. You schedule again the appointments on the day. You know every. You know and you just track the numbers. And so the way that we learn, you set an income goal. Okay, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. What's my average? Uh, what's my average commission per sale? What's the average? You know, and you do that. And then you start to control what you can do. And the only things that you can control what you do is your actions and your activities. And so you take each part of your business and you say, 
all right, well, I can control the number of phone calls that I can make. I can't control who says yes or who says no. I can't control if they say yes or if they say no, but I can control the number of phone calls that I make. Number two, I can control the questions that I ask. So if I recognize that my average commission per sale is you know, $52 because I'm working with people that make $20,000 a year, I can, ask to meet work, I can ask to meet people that make $120,000 a year. And then just due to the fact that they need much more help, everything goes up. And I think that's one of the things I, it's cool that you learned the same lesson from car sales. Uh, that was one of the things that I wanted to learn when I went into financial services. I wanted to learn how to do that. And, and it's so useful when you do that because then you always look at the world the same way and you take any goal and you break it down to a list of action steps and you say, what are the activities that I need to do to accomplish this? Well, and that's like, and for your listeners, like if you're struggling to get out of debt, mm -hmm. the first logical step is let's Let's write it down. Like, how much debt do I have? Right. Like, a lot of people, you've probably buried your head in the sand and just, like, let, have a stack of bills sitting at the house. And, you're like, I, I know I owe people money, but I don't know how much and where. Like, when you actually write down who you owe money to, how much you owe money to, you get all that stuff down. The next logical step is, okay, so how do I get rid of this stuff? Right. And you set a goal and you start working toward it. Like, writing it down is a huge first step that you can take to really accomplishing if I want to boost my income, if I want to reduce my debts, what is it? Just write it down. The other aspect of income, if you, if, if we could apply the same thing to income even without the numbers regarding car sales or financial product sales. You can apply it to, to income uh, in the way of, of, of just simply per hour. So if you want to make $200,000 a year, then that means that your hourly rate needs to be $100 an hour. So $100 an hour is $200,000 a year over the course of a 40-hour, 50-hour, 50-week, 40-hour a week, 50-week per year working, working schedule. Um, and the little trick there is, <laughs> put me on the spot, all of a sudden I'm questioning my math. I didn't put you on the always spot. Take, you jumped yeah, into this one. I, I didn't. So always take, if you just take the hourly rate and you double it and, you, and then you add some zeros, you'll get the annual income. So if somebody's making $8 an hour, you take the eight, you double that to 16, and then you add some zeros, you wind up with $16,000 an hour. So you can convert any hour, $10 an hour is $20,000 a year, $20 an hour is $40,000 a year, so $100 an hour is $200,000 per year. So, but if you look at the $100 per hour, that means that every single hour that you work, you have to create more than $100 worth of value for your employer or for yourself. If it's for your employer, you have to create more because your employer has other costs and, and, and uh, expenses that are associated with you. They're paying your employment taxes, they're paying insurance, they're giving you an office. So you might have to create $170 worth of, 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 of value, value per hour. Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, you can figure it out yourself. How much more do you pay? What are your taxes, et cetera? So you have to look at every single hour of work and say, am I producing $200 worth of value so that I can earn $100 per hour in the last work? The answer is if you're not doing it, you're not going to earn $200,000 a year. That's, that's why you're not earning $200,000 a year is you're not producing for every hour of work in excess of $100 an hour of value per hour, per hour. But breaking the goals down, the reason I went into that is very few people do that. A lot of people set goals and say, I want to make $200,000 a year. I kind of sit around and wish and hope and think, well, well I can make $200,000 a year. And I've been guilty of this myself, of saying, well, something's going to happen. Well, something might happen. But you should also look and say, I'm going to work 40 hours a week. If I'm going to earn $200,000 a year, every hour that I work, I need to be doing work that's valued more than $100 an hour. Exactly. 
Well done, sir. <laughs> this is your podcast uh, interview, and I just stole the whole thing. No, you, that was great. <laughs> well, I think this is why we, I love the world that we live in, because we all have a little different angle, and we need all of our input, uh, because different people's brains work differently, and different examples work, uh, for, you know, it, it, and it helps. And so people can find the person who speaks their language, who's able to convert a complex topic into something simpler and more straightforward. Yeah, and get outside of the hourly mindset of it and just say, like, if I've got a product for sale for $200 and I want that product to make me $200,000, well, how many of this product do I have to sell in this time period? Yeah. And you get that taken care of. That's from an entrepreneurship world. Yeah. I did this exercise a couple uh, couple of months ago. I sat down and I said, I would like radical personal finance to make a million dollars gross income per year. Okay, million dollars gross income, where can that come from? So I designed 10 individual income streams, each of which can produce $100,000 of income. Then I broke the $100,000 of income down, and I said, okay, if I'm going to, let's say I write a book, how many books would I need to sell at what rate in order to reach $100,000? If I'm going to create a, a product, a training product, how many products would I need to create at a certain course level to do it? And what's helpful is I look at a million-dollar goal, and I get completely overwhelmed. And I say, how on earth can I build a business that makes a million bucks gross in a year? I've never made a million bucks gross in a year. But if I break it down and I say, well, let me think about this, and I break it down to a certain number, now I know I need to sell 2,432 books, or I know I need to sell 452 tickets to a three-day seminar, and then I can take each of those things down and I can say, how can I develop the plan behind it in order to make sure there's value? So if I'm gonna charge $452 for a three-day seminar ticket, how can I develop a seminar ticket that's worth, my goal is 10X return, that's worth $4,500 in value to, an, to a participant so that they'll be willing to happily pay me $450? And you can break it down. And when you break it down, over time, you create your action list, you create your daily list, you break the goal down, you start working on it. Boom, 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 boom. Create one line of business, get that going, create another, and then improve, tweak, improve, tweak. And that's how you get from zero to a million dollars Well, and that was... That was the key is one at a time. Like if right. you're listening to this, you're like, holy cow, he just said 10 things with 100. Like pick one. Right, right, right. Like pick one. Yeah. If it's a course, do the course. If it's a book, do the book. If it's you need to go ask your boss for a raise, go ask your do boss that. for a raise. Like one at a time, slowly and steadily, set the goal, write it down, come up with some plans and just go take some action on one thing at a time. And then over time, one thing at a time leads to you did 10 things, which leads to those 10 things getting $100,000 a piece, which gets you to the million dollars. Yeah. I wish, uh, I wish your wife were here. I'm interested in her business. Talk to me. I mean, hopefully you know enough about it yeah. that, that you can share a little bit. How did she come up with that idea? Well, it, the website exists and it's called Teachers Pay Teachers. It's like an Etsy store for teachers um, or just an online little classroom thing for teachers um but i mean did she she was a teacher and were you guys just sitting down and brainstorming ideas for businesses and no this is just something she did like oh she just, somebody else created the website yeah somebody else she just yeah so yeah it's like etsy plans. store all all ah, she did with this is is she created it and was like well, i have this i've heard of teachers pay teachers let me upload this and see what it did and the first month we made like 80 dollars we we're like well, that was weird. Like, okay. And so we checked and they have like a premium plan where you can pay them. I don't know how much it is for the year, but you pay them and their commission rate goes way down. Cause I think they pay, I think it's like a 70, 30 split with you. But if mm -hmm. you pay them money up front, it's like a 90, 
10 split um, on the on the commission that you That's get. That's awesome. And so we paid that, and yeah, I mean, it's an extra several hundred dollars a month, and when teachers complain that they don't have enough money to buy supplies for their classrooms and stuff, my wife is like, I have $200, $300 a month coming in that I can go buy supplies for my classroom. Like, it's things that she's able to take care of that way. That is so cool. Yeah, it's a, it was a great thing that just simple, easy, and and... If she wanted to, which she doesn't, she doesn't want to, she doesn't have to, she could upload a whole lot more stuff and do a little bit more work inside of that and really create a business. And there's teachers that have stopped teaching because they're making more money just creating content and selling it on Teachers Pay Teachers. Reminds me of that guy who, who uh, he worked for a big company uh, in some kind of software engineering job, and he was being paid 40 bucks an hour, and he outsourced all of his work to China or to India and paid a guy there $15 an hour to do all of his work. And he just collected he the difference. Collected he did it difference. for years before yeah. he got caught. He was immediately fired when he got caught. But he had outsourced his job for the last three years and he had just kept the spread. He'd kept the float between the 40 and the 15 and put it into his pocket. <laughs> this is not an endorsement to do that. No, no, but it's just funny because it, you think, okay, I'm going to go get a teacher job and you know the government school system, okay, I got the job. I just got to do the bare minimum the bare minimum i don't feel like making lesson plans or doing them i'll just go buy them i'll pay someone else 15 bucks there's enough there's enough money sloshing around that i can i can take enough to live on while someone else does does a lot of my work of course i still have to actually teach in that scenario yeah. so the the programmer's job was was better but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what tools uh, do you have any specific tools that you really have found to be beneficial for you in managing the process of your finances? So uh, this is a question that comes up every time. Like what software do you use? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to know like, what's the secret? There is no secret software that makes your money better. There, there's nothing. It's a pen and paper and knowing where every dollar is going. That is what makes your money better. Like when you sit down and you write it down and to this day, I don't use a software. I don't have a budgeting tool. There's a ton out there. I sit down with a pen and paper. I say, this is how much money I'm going to make this month. These are my bills. This is what I want to save. This is how much I want to give to our church. This is how much I want to give to these ministries. And make all of that balance out. And then I just go execute that game plan every month. And some months it's hard. Like some months, like we're at a conference this month that three weeks ago I wasn't planning on coming to. So I had to adjust the budget right. to, to make that stuff happen. Um, you know, we always, it never fails, get to the 25th of the month and we've used all the money we said we were going to use for groceries. And so we've got six days left in the month <laughs> and we eat out of the pantry because it's the last six days of the month and we don't have any money left for groceries. Um, but when we do that type of stuff, my investment accounts get filled. My savings accounts get filled. I get to give the money to my church that I want to give. My kids' college funds get taken care of. And all of that stuff is done. Whereas if I'm not paying attention to that, it's, oh, we need groceries. Go to the grocery store. Spend the $200 for this last week of the month. And, okay, sure, no big deal. But over time, that's $2,400 a year. Over a five-year period, that's $10,000 a year. And you can see how people over a two and a three and a five-year period yeah. wake up with $10,000 of credit card debt. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the principles are timeless and can be applied consistently. You said you've read over 200 books on personal finance. What's your favorite? Which one do you recommend more than any other? Um, more frequently than any besides other? Besides my own. 
tell me about your, well, tell, okay, tell me about your book in a second. I, okay. didn't, I didn't know you had a book. Yeah, I have a book, and it walks people through personal finance, awesome. like everything from budgeting to everything else. Um, but Dave Ramsey's is is a fantastic total like total money makeover okay. is a fantastic way to start. And then he has another one that I really really recommend. Um, it's called More Than Enough. Okay. Um, if you haven't read that, it is about how you have more than enough money right now where you're at, and it really, really focuses on the contentment aspect of like, you don't need that new car. You don't need that bigger house. You don't need that nicer furniture. You want it. You may want it really, really bad, but what do you want more? Um, and so the book's called More Than Enough. So what else? Um, those are, those are probably the two best to just get started and, and really get moving forward. Um, Rich Dad Poor Dad's a great one, um, for small businesses getting into the mindset of transitioning from, um, the I'm an employee to I'm a self-employed person to really moving over to the right side. If you've read the book into I'm a business owner and now I'm an investor. Like when you can get, start making those switches in your mindset of how you earn money, um, you really start get to, getting to earn a lot more money. Awesome. Tell us about your book, your website, podcast. All right, cool. So I have a book. It's called Impact. Um, and it, the whole idea behind it is the four phases of personal finance. Um, phase one is education. We all have an education in money. It's how was it taught to us. If it, When we were kids and our parents didn't do anything, we're taught by the world that we need car payments and we need student loans and all that stuff. Um, so I really tear down those walls of like the old way or the way the world teaches us about finance and just teach you like what we've been talking about. Um, and then the second step of that is to take action. So actually start doing things that are better with money, making better decisions, and that you're not going to be perfect with it. And so the third phase is that you're going to have time to get mastery in this stuff. Um, and then the last phase is being awesome. And like I said earlier, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't what, know what awesome is for you, but if you go through and you learn the right ways to handle money, you take action on it, you get better over time at doing that stuff, eventually you get to be awesome. And so awesome for you may be that you're writing people's electricity bills for them because they can't afford to pay their electric bill. Mm -hmm. Or like I said, maybe it's that you want to buy a G6 and fly around the world. I don't know what awesome is for you, but eventually over time, enough discipline, you'll, you'll get more awesome. So that's the book. It's called impact. It's available on Amazon. I think it's like five bucks. Um, and so that is my book. You can find me on Twitter at Casey N Lewis. Uh, the N stands for Ninja. Um, and my website <laughs> is Casey dash or hyphen Lewis.com. Casey, thanks for coming on Radical Personal Finance. Thanks, man. It was fun. Sounds so simple when you hear other people talk about it, right? <laughs> Guess what? It is simple. Not easy. <laughs> Not at all easy, but it is simple. Uh, especially the approach to goal setting. Laying things out, making a plan. Uh, in the future, uh, and we'll see, depending on, I'm pre-recording this prior to leaving for FinCon and, and XYPN. So we'll see if I'm able to get it done before or after this. But I've got a, it's a little sneak peek for those of you who've made it to the end of this interview. I've got a little uh, goal planning software that I want you to check out. It's at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash goals. The software is called Goals on Track. I'm going to do an entire episode to introduce it to you, but it's something that I went out and searched for some number of months ago, and I've really found it to be useful. And it's basically a lot of what I've talked about, but it's put into a computer software system that can be helpful. So if you want a sneak peek on that, go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash goals and look forward. That is an affiliate link, uh, so it'll make me a little bit of money if you buy. Uh, But that is uh, something that I went out and searched for because I was dissatisfied with uh, a lot of the other software solutions that I found. So entire episode coming about that. But lay out some goals for yourself. Work on some plans. And then get busy on the action steps that will 
make them happen. Check out some of Casey's works. Links in the show notes for today's episode. Uh, hopefully, many of you can find some of his content to be helpful. Uh, that's what I love about profiling other financial bloggers, financial podcasters, other people who have different voices is they can bring an air and a just a different style that will appeal to different people. We all resonate more with different styles. And so uh, make sure to go out and check out some of Casey's work. And hopefully many of you will find him to be uh, an expert coach and uh, uh, advisor to you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, especially to the patrons of the show. If you gain benefit from today's show or any of these shows, would you consider supporting the show directly? Uh, you, this is a voluntary deal. I work hard to give away a bunch of value. And then if any of this value is helpful and useful to you, I would appreciate it if you would uh, send a little money my way. And the way you do that is go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. Thank you to the over 220 of you who do that. Uh, we're working hard to get to, by the end of September to in excess of 250. So if you want to see how we're doing on that, go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. And you can see the number. Since this was pre-recorded, I don't know the number. But you can. See you all soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.